a question. What connects bunking off school with ministry, pizza to praise to puppets, and worship that lifts off the roof? This podcast does. One. 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 We are a very multi-ethnic church with people from all over the world. We need to gather together in unity across denominations, across churches, across the county. Neighborhood community is also looking after one another. One voice. Because we're all the same. The same. The same. Hello. Hope you're really well and that things have become, well, if not normal, maybe certainly more manageable, more acceptable. This is going to be such a dynamic, fun and revealing episode. Every single one of my three guests is a brilliant storyteller in their own right. Let me put it this way. Secrets will emerge. I shouldn't laugh. The Methodist Church in Northamptonshire. This is One Voice. Now, if I was the BBC, I would be worried, I'd be deeply concerned by the amount of music and audio kit accumulated by my first guest. He could easily be a one-man media machine. It's the always tech-minded Reverend Phil Snelson. And it all begins with Phil's very unique call to ministry. My first sense of calling to ministry was actually when I was 17 and uh, approaching my A-levels and uh, don't tell anybody, but I, I did a bunk from school for a day and went off to think and pray <laughs> and came back with a, a fairly strong impression that God was calling me to the ministry. So uh, I, I proudly announced this to my parents and that I wouldn't need to do my A-levels because this is where I was going. And, and they explained to me that that wasn't how it worked. <laughs> well, sure. But you know, so, I, think, I think there's a, you know, that's the first time I've heard that confession, shall we say, Phil. And I think there's a nice sort of profundity to it because most people wouldn't readily associate wagging school with the idea of reflection and prayer. I, I passed my driving test. So I, I was driving myself to school. So I yeah. went to the end of the road and turned the other way and drove off into the country just to pray. Can you remember what the contents of that prayer or certainly the thoughts that that were running through your mind at that point? It's part was partly uh, a, a little bit of a sense of personal crisis about A-levels and that, that sort of uh, worry and stress. But just actually, I came away with a, a prayerful impression that that was got what God was saying. I've been a Christian since I was 13, but that just seemed to be the thing. And then I did my A-levels and once um, that was over, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to a, an independent Bible school for a year up in um, Lancashire in Capenray uh, and did a, a year part-time as their pool attendant and lifeguard to earn my way through uh, through Bible school and uh, also doing the uh, the course. And that really set me in great stead in terms of my Bible knowledge and my confidence in my faith as a Christian uh, and all sorts of things. When I came back, I thought, right, OK, Lord, we're, we're ready to go. Find me a church. You know, this, this uh, ripe old age of uh, 20. <laughs> uh, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. I waited and nothing like that seemed to appear. In the end, uh, got a job in a, uh, a local insurance company doing admin type stuff, which led to me uh, being assigned to their uh, computer help desk because I was good at that. 
and led to an 11 year career in um, technical support for uh, computers and networks, ah. uh, mostly across the insurance industry. Okay. And along the way, I met my wife and we got married and we started a family. And I was kind of going along that path and I had a company mm. car and mortgage and all of those kinds of things. And uh, it, it was all the way 11, 12 years later that uh, suddenly uh, God gave me another nudge. Certainly the IT side of it all, it all, for me now, all falls into place because there you are with your, your music keyboard, audio interface, professional microphone setup. You, you, could, <laughs> you could have your own, your own radio station running there, Snelson <laughs> FM. Uh, yeah, I do like the technical things. Yeah. And uh, even though kind of going into the ministry and, and being ordained is supposed to be being about set apart for different things mm. for, for ministry in church, I like to keep my hand in, uh, particularly here in Northampton in my uh, more recent appointment. I kind of uh, ended up being technical support for the uh, the various church offices and things like that. Um, setting up their their network connections and PCs and, and and those sorts of things. Along the way, Phil, did you have someone or a collection of people who were either mentor or some kind of faith and spiritual guide to you when there were questions that perhaps couldn't be answered by prayer alone? Yeah, well, certainly. And uh, I, I would say, you know, that um, when God is guiding you on something more significant then there are quite clearly other things that come along. Uh, I find that um, circumstances suddenly seem to take on a kind of, uh, well, it's called, we call it a Kairos moment, but you know, a sense of God actually uh, bringing the circumstances together to uh, uh, be knocking on the door and saying, are you listening? Mm. Um, and uh, I was a manager in the computer department um, by this time and uh, we had a new guy join the team and after a couple of months we had our first conversation about um, for faith uh, and uh, uh, church and out of nowhere and I still to this day don't know whether he was tongue-in-cheek or, or whether he was serious but just out of nowhere he said to me Phil have you ever thought of being a vicar you'd be a really good vicar and he kind of hit me between the eyes <laughs> um, and so I went to my uh, church minister and shared with him uh, about that and about the fact that in my lay preachers training there'd been a series of bible passages the previous evening in our tutorial which were all about God calling different people in the bible so there were these different circumstances and the wisdom of experienced Christians like my minister and words from the Bible too, all kind of coming together to make a really strong message to me that uh, God was saying that this was the time um, to to go forward and offer for ministry. Is the purpose for you something that regularly gets, I suppose, renewed and refreshed automatically? Does it does it come from somewhere? You feel it in your head or your heart, or or do you have to work at it? How 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 does all that side of it go? Yes. <laughs> ask us any question <laughs> no. um, yeah of course sometimes you have to work at it because mm. um you know feelings take us on a, a merry old dance don't they up mm. and down and uh and that kind of thing and there are times when uh, 
life is more uh, difficult and work is more frustrating because things aren't really quite going how you want them to. That's the uh, that's the uh, the problem with working with people. Church would be so much easier if uh, if it wasn't for all the people. Yeah, praying, worshiping, uh, working with my colleagues. We have such a good team in the the Northampton Methodist circuit, and before that, I had a good. Um, team dynamic in Emmanuel where I was Mm. Um, and actually for me as a personality uh, I've discovered out along the way that I really need other people's encouragement and input uh, to bounce off um, and to help um, find my way and uh, uh, church does have its boring bits of uh, doing admin and having to keep the the process uh, and, and all of that kind of stuff but but for me the real purpose is really trying to uh, is is when uh, I find I'm helping people um, discover God's love for themselves and grow in that and even actually get to the point where uh, that means so much to them that they they can't help but keep begin to share it with other people too. It sounds like they've got also ready-made IT support as well. <laughs> that, can't, that can't be a bad thing. Well, it's a, it's another way in, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you can begin uh, to get uh, a conversation and things that way. Absolutely, yeah. Musicianship, IT support, school bunking, and ministry. It's a yeah. it's a heck yeah. of a portfolio. Uh, Phil, yeah. thank you ever so much. Um, wonderful to to hear your story, your background, and uh, uh, great to spend some time with you. Thank you. Thank you. This is one voice. I wasn't I wasn't kidding, you know, about Phil's setup either at home. And the the day before we were due to record, he sent me a photo, and this picture was. Him in the background, but the main focal point was a big, expensive-looking microphone on a stand. Talk about impressive. I wouldn't be surprised if Phil gets a regular spot. I thought you might like to know that you have become part of a really broad community that goes so far and wide. We know that the podcast is being listened to in Ireland, Scotland, Wales... Manchester, Stratford, Huddersfield, Toaster, Germany, Washington, California even. So thank you so much. And of course, Northampton. So thank you for playing your part in that. Thank you ever so much. So what can I tell you about the man you'll hear from in about seven or eight minutes? He has seen and felt racism, racism up as close as it's possible to be. He also paints such a wonderful picture of the way the worship in his church is so effusive so committed and such a visual feast it really is so stay with us because it's a conversation you'll want to hear now let's bring in sue clutterham who is the children's and families worker with the archway trust in northamptonshire so so that ashton road collintree and hartwell hence the arch their work is so essential and and makes such a difference and of course it has been extremely difficult for them to to carry out, to do what they do. So here is Sue on what they do, how they do it, and Sue's explanation to put it all into context. If you imagine a shepherd with a hundred sheep, not the good shepherd of, of Jesus himself, but just a regular guy who watches his flock every day, and one day he notices that one sheep is missing. And he thinks, oh, it's a bit of a shame, but I've still got 99, so I think I can count my losses and, and carry on looking after the rest. When he goes to sleep that night and wakes up in the morning, most of the rest of his flock have disappeared and he's left with just five sheep. 
And he thinks, okay, well, I think I'll focus on these five. I'm sure the other 95 will somehow find their way back and it'll all be okay in the end. And my role is to reach that 95% of children and young people in England and Wales who aren't in church. My strategy is based from a verse that I've had for many years as my sort of guidance. It's uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 12. And God says to Moses, assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the aliens living in your town so that they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of his law. And I remember hearing somebody explaining this to me, saying there are five verbs, assemble, listen, learn, fear, follow, five things to do. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. I must confess, I'm actually still marvelling at the way in which you managed to work the acronym of the villages with the name. That's oh, fantastic. <laughs> that, was our, that was our chairman sitting in church one day and yeah. switching off during the sermon, I think, and, and yeah. he decided that it would work. So that's really neat. Yeah. yeah, sometimes people try and contrive a, a business name or an area to some sort of word or acronym. It just it doesn't really work. It sounds too convoluted, but Archway just blends so beautifully, <laughs> so well. It's excellent. <laughs> it works. Yeah. yeah. So the notion of together is better, which very much underpins you know what you're doing, the, the scripture union, that must have been put under a, a huge and untold amount of strain with the effects of the, the pandemic. Because it's relational, we can use the relationships that we've already built up over the last five years and develop those uh, through emails and texts and hopefully now maybe some, some visiting, especially as the summer weather continues and we can meet outside. Uh, but we can't expect people to, to come to us. We have to reach them. And when we first started, I remember driving past the school gates one morning quite early and seeing mums chatting. And later on my way home, I think I'd been to the shops, they were still there. And I thought, gosh, I remember doing that years ago. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to offer them a really great environment where they could meet and chat, but we could look after them, we could give them tea and maybe some toast if they haven't had breakfast. And we could provide toys for their toddlers to play with, because obviously their older children are in school. So that's how Tea, Toast and Toys was born. And it's basically a toddler group, but it's a very small model uh, because small is beautiful in our, in our book because we can really connect with the mums who we meet. So normally that's what we would do, but obviously at the moment we can't meet. We're seeing lots of charities, uh, other bodies, organisations and the like, Sue, saying... I think I saw this quote only yesterday, that children need to be prioritised now that they're in a, and this was the quote, a very impactful quote, that children are in this eerie world full of uncertainty. Is that a picture that, that you're seeing at all? Yes, and I think the mums are anxious and stressed, and of course the children are going to pick that up. Um, I was a little disappointed initially, but I can now see it for what it is when I made contact with the mums and sent out emails and very few of them actually responded, although I knew that they'd been received from various sources. But actually, these mums are hanging in there by their fingernails, most of them. Quite a lot of them would have small part-time jobs to keep paying the mortgage or whatever. And normally, perhaps their toddler would be some, some parts of the week with a childminder. Their older children, if they had them, would be in school, which would free them up to, to do their job, to earn a bit of money. And suddenly, they have to do that, but they also have to entertain their toddler and educate their older child. 
and it's a big ask. And I think a lot of them are really struggling. And obviously, the longer it's gone on, the more stressful it's become in some ways, although they've got into a pattern. And interestingly, on Facebook, there's, a, there's quite a lot of um, communication about what's been going on and what people are doing and how they're coping. And quite a few of the mums are obviously feeling really um, undermined by some of the, the sort of super mums who seem to be able mm. to bake bread before breakfast and educate the children and do their job and produce some beautiful baking or whatever. And some of them saying, oh, we haven't done anything like that. And it's just trying to help these mums say you're doing such a great job and actually losing six months of their education in the big scheme of things isn't going to totally damage your child. What's really important is that they feel loved and cared for. You use this time to bond as a family. I remember one mum came and she said, don't be nice to me. And somebody gave her a hug. Somebody took the baby. Somebody made her a cup of tea. I didn't need to do anything because the group had bonded mm. to such an extent that they looked after each other. And that's missing at the moment. There's nobody to give them a hug. There's nobody probably during the day to make them a cup of tea. And a lot of them are on their own with their children. They're single mums. So they're, they're just really struggling for, for encouragement, uh, for somebody to say you're doing such a great job and for somebody to give them a hug and a cup of tea maybe. When you go right back, Sue, to that, that message of uh, Josiah Spires in 1867 that God is love, how do you think children's lives generally a bit before COVID were enhanced by that message that ties right back to, to Spires and, and how they will be when, when, when things are much more, inverted commas, normal? Well, each session finished with a, a time of um, singing. I, I played the guitar and we would start with nursery rhymes and then we'd move on to Christian songs and we'd do a very simple thank you song. So thank you, God, for. And one week I went round the group and it was just a, a random decision and it, it took off. So I do it every time now. Um, and I'll say thank you, God, for John's smart haircut. Thank you, God, for Sarah's new shoes. Thank you, God, for Sally's new baby sister, whatever it is to do with that child. And you can see them waiting for their turn and wondering what I'm going to say and sing about them. And then at the end, I say, thank you, God, that you love us all. And then we also go, they go and knock on the hatch to the kitchen and uh, the tea ladies come out and wave. And we say, thank you, God, for the tea ladies. And they love that. But that's just generally just establishing that God is there. He's part of the group. And he loves them and cares about them. I'm very glad you, you noticed my new haircut, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been fine not to mention it, but I'm, I'm very pleased. <laughs> <You did. laughs> there is uh, obviously a, a, a very detailed and wonderful looking website to the Trust. Would you like to, to mention that as well before, before we go? Yes. One of the main things really is our Archway Facebook page. So if you put Archway Trust in there, uh, it should come up straight away. And one of our trustees, who's a young mum herself, uh, looks after that and, and posts photos. A lot of the photos of a, a, are of her children, because obviously you have to be very careful posting photos of other people's children, or they're taken from a back view. Because Tito's Toys became such a success over the last few years in the three villages where we, we run it, uh, we thought, how can we take these people further? They're at the stage where they're connecting. How can we help them explore? How can we get them onto the next part of this relationship building in their journey of faith um, as they get to know God better? So we um, came up with something, we like alliteration, we came up with something called Pizza Praise and Puppets. And it's a bit like Messy Church, but with sort of a puppet show as well and food. I, I think Messy Church do food, don't they? 
Um, and it does what it says on the tin, pizza, praise and puppets. And most of the adults aren't really into singing. So we sing the songs and we try and sing songs that the children enjoy with actions. But we don't put any pressure on people to sing because mostly people with no Christian connections would sing perhaps at a football match or sing along to the Beatles on the radio. But they don't want to sing, per se, as in a, a, a church event. Um, and then we have the puppet show, which is a, a Bible story acted out. And we have youngsters doing that, some 10, 11, 12, 13 year olds who've grown out of the other activities we do um, have become our puppeteers. And so we, we do a story and then I do a little follow up sort of chit chat for maximum sort of three, four minutes about the story. And subtly that's aimed at the adults, really. And then we'll have an activity to do and then we'll have finished with a prayer and then the pizza arrives. And so people stay for pizza and, and hang around and chat. Uh, so thank you ever so much for your brilliant work and also for your time. It's been really nice to talk to you on the podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This is the One Voice podcast. Very quick reminder to you that the website that covers all the aspects of the Methodist Church here is methodist-churches-northampton.org.uk. And I'd certainly recommend having a look around it. methodist-churches-northampton.org.uk. Let's enter into our final conversation. And it's one that is suffused with powerful feelings, evocative theories and a lifetime of experience that shape his faith and who he is. When we spoke, he was sat in his garden. It was a lovely morning. The birds, now and again, the birds you will hear chirping away. From the New Testament Church of God, let's meet Bishop Donovan Allen. The One Voice Podcast. If I walk into a, a Methodist service and, and then a Baptist service, any denomination really, and then come into a service in your church... When I'm alone and I've got no one to dry my tears I hear a voice crying out in my knees He said... The levels of fervour, musicality and, and vocalisation to God they essentially bring the house down in your church, don't they? Yeah, they do, they do. And I think, I think there's a combination of many things here, but I think it's one way in which we, we uh, many of the people in our churches, they have what I call testimonies. They're coming from sometimes dark places, places of oppression, uh, just as we're talk, talking about evening, what's taking place in the workplace and, and the way that Many of our people have suffered, um, and so they 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 have come to rely upon God totally, and so they have that sense of um, giving God, as it were, all the praise that is due. Unlock the door. I think if I if I was supposed to sum it up, I think many of our people are like they've got that David spirit in them. They've got the David spirit in them, in which they, they they know how to lament, they know how to cry out for God, uh, and they, they 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 really like to show and express the way they feel. It's just, and I think it's something built in us. Uh, I think it's a gift. I mean, somebody will say that God has given the, the the gift of football to the Brazilian, but I think our our, our race and culture. We've got some vibrancy about us, 
Um, and I think it's a gift. I don't know if God has apportioned it. I don't know if it's where we're coming from as a culture. Um, but I think it's also deep-seated in our history. Our history, where we're, most of us are coming out of a slavery, and so they, they have been crying out for some element of freedom. And so that freedom we found in Jesus Christ. We, that's the reason why we survived and that person looking. It's our testimony. It is remarkable to see. And the the pioneers of, of faith of the New Testament of God Church, or you know, the, the wider church, were all of course black men. Would they, do you think, Donovan, have seen themselves by their colour first and foremost, or purely men of God? Purely men of God. Uh, many of them came to this country, they're part of the Windows generation. They came to this country, they did not plan to start a church. They came open to be part of the church. They, they, they came to what they call the motherland. And so when they came to church, um, many of the white churches said, it was good to have you, but we don't want you to come back tomorrow because, because you're clapping your hands, you're praising the Lord, you're disturbing the church. And then many of them were really dejected. So they came as people of God. And um, I guess because of that strong call upon their life, although they were put out of the church, um, they, they still want to worship God and, and, and then they just went rent hall and, and before you know it, um, a small group started to be formed in Birmingham, in Wolverhampton, in London, uh, and the rest is history. So the, the first and foremost, and even now, uh, we as a black people, we, we, we don't even deal with our color that much, it's other people speak to us about our color. So first and foremost, a lot of us recognize that we are just people of God. From the day I came to this country, I experienced racism. I came to this country in 1981. I came as a Christian. I came from a, a decent home, never done drugs. And the moment I stepped at Heathrow Airport, they, um, they stripped me naked searching for drugs. And I think I was just chosen because he is a black Jamaican. People think that all people from that part of the world, all we do is drugs. I experienced it from day one. I've experienced it in my work. I remember working in Oxford Street um, quite a few years ago, and a South African lady in the middle of the apartheid um, coming down. Uh, uh, I was selling cameras at the time, and a white lady came in and refused that I serve her um, because I was black. And my branch manager at the time, she, she complained that she needed someone else to serve her. And my black manager says, well, if Donovan is not going to serve you, then you can find another shop. People are not always that fortunate, are they, Donovan, to be supported by a peer or, in, in your case there, a, a manager? It's, uh -huh. it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Where do you think the prejudice comes from? Well, I think, number one, I think it's ignorance. I find it quite strange that people who are intelligent, highly educated, sophisticated, yet still, and I don't know if it's to do, I, I if, if someone really was supposed to ask me, I think it's the evolutionist theory has really damaged the DNA in men. 
because um, if evolution tells you that we have evolved um, and not created by God, then it gives you that, that it puts you in a strange place to think that, you know, you're better than somebody else. So I think it's deep ignorance. I think also personally, from a spiritual level, I think it's a demonic influence. And it is, um, it has run through the DNA of most Western countries because at the end of the day, why would a nation go and actually enslave people to actually build an empire? You know, why would somebody think that uh, they are better than another race? You know, you, you go to the Bible and it talks that God created um, the garden, then he put the tree of life, and then there's another tree, good and evil. And, and I think um, people have actually chosen evil to, to, to actually further their cause. It's really sad. How does God tell you and, and your peers to react to the racist? The simple way is, um, I think I was reading in the devotion, I think it's First Peter chapter 2, and talks about we desire the sincere milk and we grow. The only way, the only way to react to the racist or to white supremacists or to the negative, everything that has crept into the church, is to, 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 to expose the, 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 the sin. And once you expose it, if people are decent in any way because nine times out of ten you'd all you almost have to think that the same racist person is a very nice person and so if you could actually expose that small percentage of evil in them get them to acknowledge it repent of it um, and turn away from it then we'd have a better a better world i personally think that you know god has given us the strength we can protest and everything like that but we, it's got to be non-violent We've got to um, speak love, offer forgiveness. And, 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 and uh, because at the end of the day, we may have been the most oppressed people, but at the same time, I think God has greater blessings for us. So we, we don't want to lose our blessing by actually going a negative way to deal with racism. Three great guests, three fantastic conversations. Thank you, Donovan, thank you, Sue, and thank you, Phil. Just to say something else I'd like you to look up, if you possibly can, the Virtual Book Club. It's all done through Facebook, through the Facebook page, and everyone that's involved doesn't have to read the same book. So it's quite a different way of doing things. It has real variety about it, in that it can be any genre, any author. It's done very informally all through the Facebook page brilliant idea and let's really see it go from strength to strength that's the virtual book club for now that is all we've got for you we will speak again very soon look after yourself stories community and what brings us together this is one voice